The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 233 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. Last week, we continued our stadium tours of the state of California. Um, I took in a game for the first time at Oracle Park. And let me tell you, being at a stadium for a game versus three dead and co shows, very different atmosphere as you can imagine. Uh, yes. Um, if nothing else, I mean, Oracle's great. I kind of gave that review when I saw the concerts. Nothing's changed there. Just getting out of the stadium, just absolutely night and day different when you don't have hundreds of thousands of idiot stone deadheads like myself all trying to leave at once. So that was great to go into. Um, And then I made my triumphant return to the Oakland Coliseum, most likely my last appearance there. It's such an interesting stadium, the Oakland Coliseum, because it's too small to be a baseball stadium, or excuse me, it's too small to be a football stadium, in my opinion. But I think it's too big to be a baseball stadium you know, you walk right in and it's so fascinating the way the Oakland Coliseum is because the first thing you see is rooted in Oakland for over 50 years. So that in itself almost seems very contradictory to have because we know that they're leaving around the corner. Um, but it's amazing. I, I mean, the Coliseum, no concessions are open in the upper deck, which I think is a product of the idea that there were no fans in the upper deck. But amazingly enough, the biggest surprise for me in both of these stadiums uh, was the fact that it actually cost me more money to get my tickets at the Oakland Coliseum uh, rather than Oracle Park. Um, I'm happy that I'm, or I keep saying Oracle Park. Or no, Oracle is right. Um, it's very confusing to make this statement because the Oakland Coliseum is next to the old Oracle. So it's a big tongue twister when you're in Northern California. All that said, the Coliseum, I won't miss you. Oracle Park, I look forward to returning. Um, but you made your venture to what is one of the most beautiful stadiums in baseball, Petco. Oh, yes, I and did. Some would say a night that will go down in infamy. So before we get to our regularly scheduled content, I will throw it over to you to get to that. I'm going to go a little bit broader and start with the city of San Diego on the whole. Uh, San Diego is a fantastic place. I really have nothing but nice things to say about 99% of the city. My one knock. And this pains me to do because Sabrina and Sarah, you two are, you two have been nothing but kind to me. And I really don't like going at you or your school like this. But the University of San Diego Torero Program Board hosted their first annual hot dog eating contest last night at Petco Park. And your boy showed up and mopped the floor with every single one of those Toreros. I don't think another person finished their dog, but I was bruising so those kids which i guess is probably will go down and I'll, I'll think of it fondly because i won never in doubt but just the way that those kids they they had an outsider come in and 
go at their their uh, student programming board, just outside of going to embarrass them all. That video is going to come up on Instagram soon enough. Um, there's a part of me that is really concerned about the comments I'm going to receive. Uh, but I guess that's par for the course when you introduce yourself full name uh, on a video that's going on social media and then uh, just absolutely Joey Chestnut impression these hot dogs. No water, which made it very tough. Uh, but otherwise, Petco Park, beautiful, right in downtown San Diego. Awesome giveaway, these cool Bogart shirts. I'm still rocking oh, that, it. That was the giveaway that you were wearing in that picture? I didn't know that. Yeah, no, it was a giveaway. So again, fire day, Sabrina, Sarah, sorry, go out your school like this, but come at the king, you better not miss. And uh, I guess as Terreros, as bullfighters, you should know better. We both saw some history for Juan Soto. I saw, well, not history, but I saw his 30th homer. I believe you saw his 100th ribby. I don't know. I mean, if we're going to do a broad specs Padres conversation, having watched that team last night, it's inconceivable to me that they're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, but because this season has been an absolute dumpster fire for them, I would advise them to trade Soto this off. Well, who did you see them against last night? Colorado! Yeah, it's like you saw them against the Rockies. I saw them against the A's. So it kind of feels like let's take everything with a grain of salt. That's why I get it. I think moving on from Soto is the move. They, Patis, I think, is awesome. Tatis's career is going to be fascinating to watch because you never – it's rare you have the guy – we spoke about it at the time, but having a guy with all this potential uh, and a smaller track record I – mean, he's still got 20 years left of his career, but the PED suspension is going to hang over him forever. If you're going to get busted with Roy, it's better to do it to the middle back end of your career. Let that be a lesson if you want to cheat. You want back end, not front end? I don't think you want that high of a front end. It goes both ways because, again, this is going to follow Tatis now for the next 15 years – the back end, the flip side is you get someone like Palmero where their career is so accomplished where it ends the career and that's what you remember them for at the end. So I don't know. It could go either way. I mean, it could, if you, if you, if you wipe the slate clean from of Tatis and you just have him start all of his stats from the, from his return from the suspension, I would say with probably 80% confidence that he will put together a hall of fame caliber career just in the next 10, 15 years. Roy's going to roid though. All right, let's do BovadaSportsbook.com picks of the week. We're going to pick two games, both teams that are in the playoffs, or both matchups with teams that are on the playoffs. Phillies-Braves, they played each other last week. Uh, Spencer Strider dominated the Phillies. He's dominating them in the regular season, just had that bad blow, playoff blowout last year. Strider for the Braves, Christopher Sanchez for the Phillies, games at Truist Park, plus one and a half, minus 110, plus 184. Phillies, minus one and a half, minus 110, minus 220 for the Braves. I'm going Braves minus one and a half here. Strider has dominated the Phillies. It seems like his blowups only come against bad teams. So I think come playoffs, he's going to be fine. And uh, this Braves lineup just mashes left-handers. I'd agree. I'd, take, I'd probably this is a series where I would take the over in every game. But when you have two – the Phillies, I think for the large part of the season, we've been saying the Phillies are the third best team in the NL. And with a clear tier behind the Dodgers and the Padres – I think they're no more than the half tier below. They might be on par with the Dodgers and the Dodgers Braves. and the Braves. Yeah, I'm sorry. Those three teams. It might be. It might. It's. I think it's closer to one A, one B. In a seven in game series right now, I'm taking the Phillies over the Braves. I, I think the over Braves. The Braves? Or sorry, sorry, over the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers can get away in a three or a five game series with their lack of pitching. Uh, a seven game series, I just don't see how they're going to pull it out. I think the Dodgers could get bounced in the division round. 
Uh, that pitching right now, it's a so clearly banged. We talked about it last week. It's a such clearly banged up Kershaw. Who only won four innings this week. The velocity is under 90. And then it's Bobby Miller, Lance Gutterball, Lynn. It's rookies, Kershaw and Lance Lynn. And as great as that lineup is, I think come playoff time, you just can't mask that. Chase, put your money where your mouth is. Where are, What are the Brewers' odds to win the NL? I don't think the Brewers are going to win the bet. I think it's going to be the Braves. So you have Braves, Brewers, NLCS as of now? Well, where do the Phillies fit into all of this? Who would they play? They would play the Dodgers, I believe. Because, no, it would be Braves, Dodgers. It would be Brewers, Dodgers, Phillies, Braves. Brewers, Dodgers, Phillies, Braves. Yeah, you know what? I'm comfortable saying that it could be Brewers, Braves. I, it's okay. I'll see. I, Again, in the second half of the season for the Brewers, of the three guys that they're going to roll out in the rotation, Burns has been the worst of the three. Think about that statement. That's what you want. I guess. I, I get it. I just don't, their lineup doesn't compare to the other. But they don't obviously they don't have to beat all three of them. Yeah, they got smoke and mirrors. Uh Orioles, Astros, Kyle Gibson for the Orioles, Hunter Brown for the Astros, plus one and a half, minus one fifty six, plus one thirty two for the O's, minus one and a half, plus one thirty, minus one fifty six for the Astros. Uh I'm gonna go O's minus one half. Get whatever that alt line is. Hunter Brown is a rookie. He's very much slowed down in the second half, I think, as the innings have caught up with them. They went through their whole bullpen last night in a game. They actually lost to the Orioles 8-7. Cedric, Cedric C.J. Mullins with a big three-run homer late. Um, Gibson's going to go innings, and that's why I like the Orioles minus one half. So exact same logic I use in the Phillies-Braves game. Uh, we have two upper echelon teams going at it. Uh, always take the team that lost the night before to come back and back. Give me the Astros money. Orioles uh, run line is minus one and a half or whatever it is. Or, uh, sorry, plus 200. It's obviously minus one and a half. Um, let's go to the it's stand. Not obviously one. They, you get run lines two and a half. I mean, not with two good teams. Yeah, but with two playoff teams, it's not going to be the case. Let's go to the standings. A couple teams clinched playoff berths this week, but there are still many tight races throughout baseball. Uh, Orioles 94 and 56. They are two and a half up against the Rays 92 and 59. Uh, both of those teams clinch playoffs first this week. Uh, the Orioles did it with a 5-4 walk-off victory against the Rays at Camden Yards. The comeback has gone all the way forward. I mean, again, this Orioles team, um, after the 2018 season when they brought in Michael Elias, and then the next year um, they hired Brandon Hyde. 2019-2021, they had a 341 winning percentage. 131 and 253, but last year 83 and 79 winning season. And then this year, yet again, uh, they took that next step forward. They're in first place in the American League East. And then the Rays, even two and a half back, um, still in the playoffs. They join the Braves, um, Dodgers, and likely the Astros as being the eighth team uh to make the playoff five years in a row in the wild card era since 1995. Uh, so the Rays and the Orioles are in there. Rest of the AL East, uh, Toronto, 83 and 67, 11 back. Yanks, 76 and 74, statistically still not eliminated yet. Se uh, six back in the wild card, 18 in division. Boston running that division there. Um, this Rays-Orioles battle for first place. Like, again, it just feels like because they've led for so long, basically since the month of May, that the Orioles have this locked up. But two and a half games with, you know, a week or two to have go. Have the Orioles been leading that long? Is that true? The Rays like it's been that long. 
We talk about it all. We, we bring it up. The race started out, what, 20 and 0? No, I think the actual one was 13 and 0. They were like, they, they jumped, they jumped them at the gate. Uh, but this is an impressive Baltimore season. I, I would take them to hold on. They have the tiebreaker if it comes to it. But I, the Tampa's in a, Tampa is, this is just a normal Tampa team to me. At the start of the season, we thought this was going to be the special year. This was the year Tampa finally gets it together, goes over, the, goes all the way. Uh, but the, I, I don't think I don't I don't see it for them. I just think they're going to run into the same problem they do year after year in the postseason. Yeah, well, this year I think you get a pass because the pitching has just been so banged up. Um, Glass what happens to them. Yeah, Glass now of all people is the one who's going to make it to the finish line. But between Drew Rasmussen, McClanahan, so many guys. Um, who were just out for the year, Jeffrey Springs. Looking at the schedule, the, the baseball rest of the season too long. No, I feel like there's just a lot of maybe I'm more in tune to it now than I used to be, but I just feel like a lot of high end players are getting or having their seasons end early, shut down early with injury. I think you're more in tune to it. It's because we do our injury reports every week, so I'm glad you're paying attention to that. Um, for what it's worth, the Orioles schedule the rest of the way. Two more against Houston, but then four games set versus the Guardians, two versus the Nationals, and three versus the Red Sox. So a very favorable schedule for them the rest of the way. Rays a little bit tougher, three against the Angels, but then they play a total of six against the Blue Jays and two against the Sox. So I, I think when you look at the schedules, especially Orioles hold on, get that one seed in the American League. Um Central, I have nothing to add about the Yankees. The Yanks, the Yanks, to their credit, the last month or so have been playing better ball. That's all I'll say. It's been slightly less frustrating to watch. Yeah, I guess I can go into next year saying I haven't lived through a Yankees uh, below 500 season. Uh, hey, 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 bite your tongue. We play a lot of good teams this week. It doesn't matter, though. I mean, the Yankees, we're not making the playoffs. So that's something to root for. Yeah, I know, but I don't want the losing season. That's a roof for the Yankees. All right. Central, 79 and 72. The Guardians are – the Twins are in first. Guardians are seven back. Rest of the division below is below 500. Tigers, eight and a half back. White Sox, Royals rounding out the division there. Um, Twins are, I think, rounding in the form come playoff time. They're, at this point for them, it's basically setting their rotation. And, and again, if this Twins lineup can just manage to come back to life like we've seen in the past, I don't think they make noise in the American League, but – I don't think I could sleep on a rotation where the games one and game two starters are Sonny Gray, um, who today Jim Bowden in the athletic had finishing second in the AL Cy Young. I though. saw that also. Disagree. Yeah. I mean, Pablo Lopez has got 200 plus strikeouts. Joe Ryan, game three, Maeda, game four. Solid rotation. If the offense can come back to life there, we'll see what's what. Um, if you're a Detroit Tigers fan, you knew you weren't going to be good this year. But it's finishing in second place considered a successful year within the context of their timeline. I don't know. Like that's there are some guys who have taken big jump forwards. Like Torkelson looks like a legit. Torkelson had a lot of homers. Kerry Carpenter's Kerry Carpenter's been good. I mean, Javi Baez has been dreadful, but like we knew that. Um, there are a lot of positives, I feel like, in Detroit this year. Like at the end of the day, even though they had a decent offseason, I still don't think anyone had this team pegged for more than like a 75 to 77 win team. And that's what they are. It could be way worse. You could be a White Sox fan. I, again, if you're Detroit, you hang your hat on the fact that you're in the worst division in baseball. And if we're all signs point to Terry leaving at the end of this year, the White Sox are a complete dumpster fire. 
Kansas City is probably two years away from being two years away. It's just jarring to look at these standings and see that the White Sox have 12 fewer losses than the Tigers. Uh, we both picked the White Sox to win the Central. It's nuts. And honestly, you show me all these ro- – knowing how the season unfolds, you show me both rosters, all five rosters on paper, I'm still taking the White Sox to win the Central. Of course. And, and that's knowing that Luis Robert finally developed into a superstar this year too. It's, I'm the White Sox, I don't want to talk more about the White Sox, but the Tim Anderson impression is uh, if you have to focus in on one part of the White Sox struggles, Tim Anderson being well, that and the entire rotation taking a step back. Well, Cease took four or five. Yeah, Giolito did not. I guess Giolito was actually kind of decent for them. It's just the wheels have fallen off since, but he's one of our players of the week, so stay tuned for that. Um, AL West, this one's coming down to the wire. Astros game and a half up. Mariners, Rangers, 82 and 68, uh, tied for second. Angels, A's, rounding out that division there. This almost just feels like one of these divisions right now that nobody wants to win. It's like one of them beats the other. The other teams don't take advantage. I, I think I'm going to go Houston at this point um, just because I think at the end of the day, they've been there before and there's something to be said about that. And I like their lineup so much. Um, and I trust Dusty. I, I just think of the three, my definitive choice with the news that we'll get to in a second, that Max Scherger's out for the year. It's been a great year for the Rangers, and you certainly took that jump, but you got to finish the job. And I just don't think even with Evaldi back, like they went all in for Scherzer. They went I, all in for the Grom first, and then they went all in for Scherzer. I, I just don't see them having the ammo necessarily to pull this off. But that lineup is also so good that maybe it doesn't matter. So I'm like fairly invested from a – Bovada standpoint on the Rangers, but I can't. Seattle's the hottest team. Houston has all the experience in the world. Texas is just the fun upstart pick. I do. I I would still probably take the Texas lineup over the other lineup because there are so many guys that can beat you and go long, and that's kind of how they do it. But I got. I'm sure. Let me check the Rangers schedule real quick. And real quick, just a reminder, I'll do the wild card. They're playing the Mariners. They got six more games against the Mariners. I I actually, I think I'll pick Seattle. Yeah, and and just a reminder, game 163 now does not exist because of the extra tiebreaker round. It's all, or excuse me, because of the new wild card round. So everything just goes to a tiebreaker. It's all numbers-based. So right now in the American League, it goes uh, Orioles, Astros, Twins. Rays have the first wild card. Um which they have a pretty com- – like, the Rays or Orioles, who doesn't, whoever doesn't win in the division. One's going to be the one seed. One's going to be the first wild card. Blue Jays are a game up. I think I have finally come around on the Blue Jays, and I think they're going to get this done. Um, Vlad, who I have torn to shreds all year, had a really nice week last week, a couple home runs, is finally hitting. Uh, Ryu coming back for them, I think it solidified the rotation a bit with Gausman, uh, Barrios, and Bassett. So I, I do think the Blue Jays end up getting in. And then right now the Mariners hold the tiebreaker over the Rangers, but like you said, six games left against each other. Anything could happen. AL, NL, there is a clear. There seem to be clear tiers. BAL one through six, jump one through seven, really jumble them. I guess they're out. Jumble up the non AL Central teams in this division, in this uh, in this league. Anything could happen. Moving to the National League, two teams clinch the division this week. Uh, the first is the Atlanta Braves. Um, who haven't locked up the one seed yet, but it's looking pretty likely that's going to be the case. They're 96 and 54. Um, they clinched with a 4 1 victory over the Phillies Wednesday at Citizens Bank Park. Um, this matches the second earliest clinch date, uh, in division in their division 
all their division wins uh, in franchise history. It's their MLB best 23rd division title since the MLB went to that. Um, they are now only the second team in MLB history to have five players with 30 or more home runs and are the first team in Major League Baseball history. I I might have misread this, but I'm pretty sure um, to have. I saw this too. What is it? Four players with 35 or more homers? Yeah. They hit a lot of homers. Yeah, basically, I'm not even going to try to do it justice, but if you subscribe to The Athletic, there's, read this article with Jason Stark that, about the A's lineup today. I mean, there's a very strong statistical argument that when all is said and done, this could be the best offense in the history of baseball. Got to finish the job. Yeah, that, and that's how the article ends. Got to finish the job. So they're 14 up on the Phillies, who are 82 and 68. Marlins, 78 and 73. Our 18 and a half back Mets, Nats rounding up the division there. I'll give my Marlins and Phillies analysis when we get to the wild card. Most of the analysis is going to be the wild card. Yeah. I've been on the brew crew wagon these past couple weeks and have a six game lead. Seems like Craig Council is going to win the division yet again. Cubs are six back with the Reds, Pirates, Cardinals rounding up the division there. Dodgers also clinched the division. It's their 11th straight playoff appearance. And I think it was their 10th division in the last 11 years. Um, yeah, the, giant, the 107 win Giants got them. That was the only thing that could get in their way. D-back, 79, 72, 14 back. Giants, 76 and 74, 16 and a half back. Padres, Rockies, rounding out the division there. Padres, 73 and 78, won't make the playoffs, um, but they do have a chance to be a 500 team. Take that for whatever it's worth. Uh, I think, yeah, I spoke about San Diego a lot earlier. They, uh, that, they're ridiculous that they're not in the playoffs. They, You could argue they have the Cy Young, they have – Four perennial MVP. They have three perennial MVP candidates in the lineup. You have the Cy Young winner. It's going to be. I mean, he's going to be one of our players of the week, but he shelled. No pun intended. Um, I guess shell Snell. There really is no pun there. Just rhyme. Rhyme intended though. Yeah, rhyme intended. He shelled against the Dodgers and Steele got lit up. So I, I, it's. I think Snell pretty much going away at this point. You have him. Hassan Kim is a six-war player. You have the best closer in the National League. Soto had another 30 homer, 100 ribby, 100 walk, 100 run year. You got Tatis and Machado. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I, the real answer is the starting pitching outside of Snell just hasn't been good. That is the answer. Musgrove was good, but he's been hurt now for a good amount of time. And they gave Darvish money. And you and I, even at the time, they just shut him down. We said, eh, you know, Darvish has a good track record, but this seems a little fishy given all the innings. And we were right yet again. Uh, I, think, I think I think I was wrong. I'm pretty sure when he signed that extension, I was talk, I was calling him future Hall of Famer. You dog. Both things could be true. You still can. WBC. Phillies four up on the D-backs or a half game up on the Cubs. Cubs and Reds are tied, but the Cubs have a tiebreaker. Marlins are a half a game out. Giants are two games out. I'm ready to declare the Giants out. Having watched this team in person, it's just such an uninspiring lineup. And it seems like every time Logan Webb shells and does something great, um, they just don't support him with runs or positive energy. And they lost three or four to the Rockies, and you can't be doing that this late. Um, I, look, I just – Yeah, I saw you chat me something. Let me let me finish my rant. Yeah, you finish your rant. Mine's back on Darvish. Is you Darvish MLB's mellow? No. I think the mellow statistical peak was – I mean, Darvish is great, but Melo's a, isn't Melo a top 10 scorer ever? Is you Darvish not a top 10 pitcher ever? No. So I'm going to go back to the wild card. Um, 
You know, the Marlins, look, this is going to be really tough without Sandy down the stretch. He has a UCL sprain. The Reds team, again, it's been fun. It's been exciting. It's like Andrew Abbott had his hunt, rookie wall, Hunter Green, kind of the same. Uh, so I think if the season – Hunter, Hunter Green had a wall. Hunter Green's been very good since he got back. Has he? I guess that's why you're in the second round of the fantasy playoffs and I'm not. I forgot to start. Yeah, no, Hunter Green's been very good since he got back from injury. All right, Hunter Green, my apologies. But I think this. I think the NL playoff field holds. I, I mean, at this point, that's where I'd lean also. It all depends. It, look, my thoughts on the D-backs depend on the next two days because Gallon, we, we talked up Gallon last week and he got shelled by the Mets at City Field. The next day, Merrill Kelly did the same thing. Both of those guys are pitching the next two days at home. I need to see them dominate. And then again, I, I just I need to see if the D-backs can win on the road. It's why you and I have been out on Gallon on the side for weeks. You can't give a guy the Cy Young if he doesn't win on the road. And this guy does not. Obviously, you can't do it with the way the race is shaking out. I would. Would you rather the five seed and go against and have the Philadelphia Atlanta track? Or would you rather be the five and have the Philly Atlanta track or the six and have Milwaukee and the Dodgers? I would uh, Philly Atlanta or Milwaukee and who? The Dodgers. Oh, Milwaukee and the Dodgers. I mean, you can't get you can't get cute with it. You have to win everything you can and just to get yourself in. But I, that's a much easier path as the six than the five. Just got sent a funny meme by a friend of the show, Corey Schwartz, asking, "Yo, what do we think this new Wander Franco double auto is worth?" And it's him and Chris Hansen. Oh God, honestly, don't don't do what Wander Franco did. Yeah, I have one more Ronda Franco joke later in the show, but it's more on the team. Um, any other thoughts on the playoff race? Uh, to me right now, if the season were to end, I think this is what the playoffs are going to look like. I can't articulate a strong enough case against it. You, uh, yeah, just like, I, yeah, why not? Seems like 500 the rest of the way it gets you in. All right, league leaders. A lot of the big four in the NL. Cunha, 135 runs. Acuna, 202 hits. Acuna um, hurt us, by the way, that one week. We were like, Mookie's going to win the MVP. It's going to be Ronald running away, in my opinion. Freddie, yeah. 55 doubles. Corbin Carroll, Gunnar Henderson, Cattell Marte, nine triples. Matt Olson, 52 homers. I mean, Matt Olson is going to have, I said it last week, one of the all-time great third or fourth place MVP finishes. Uh, 52 homers, 129 RBIs. Soto, 123 walks. Uh, Acuna, 66 steals. I haven't done strikeouts in a while. Schwarber, 200 strikeouts. Uh, 197 average. Arias, 354. I think now that he's back over 350, I no longer look at it as a disappointing 354. I think three. It's so fucking hard to hit 350. It is. I mean, I honestly, I would say if you have a, I'm looking at 333, you get one hit every three at bats. That's a batting. That's the number I look at. That's a respectable batting. I agree. Ronald, 417 OBP. Shohei, 654 slugging. Shohei, 1.066 OPS. If that all, if no one else steps up, he'll lead those both. Shohei, done for the year. More on that to come. Pitching, Strider, 17 wins. Jordan Lyles, 17 losses. Snell, 243 ERA, now 0.3 lower than Steele. Snell's also pitching tonight. Saves Emmanuel Class with 41. Complete game, Sandy and Jordan Lyles with three. Logan Webb, baseball's first 200-inning man, 201 innings. 
Strikeout Strider, 259. Whip, 1.01. Zach Eflin, and average against Blake Snell, 187. We mentioned it before. He might be the least inspiring two-time Cy Young Award winner ever. The first one, again, it's uninspiring because it's Blake Snell. The first Cy Young, though, he was incredible. No, I, he he will he will have earned them both, assuming yeah. he doesn't blow up. Those. Yeah, the first Cy Young, just again, he won 21 games, had a 189 ERA, and struck out 221 guys. That's an unbelievable season, no matter how you slice it. No, I take it back, Kluber. I think Kluber may be more uninspiring than Snell. Even with that random Yankee no-hitter he threw? Okay, but like, oh, outside of Yankee fans, how many friends remember the no-hitter? Like, Snell, for better or for worse, you have the Snell memory of he dominated in the World Series. You got pulled. No, I get you. Fair, fair, fair. Fair. But, I mean, we did. it's a fun – I can't – I hope he does win so we can do in the this again in the offseason and just talk about the guys who won Cy Young in both leagues. Yeah, I mean, Snell, I mentioned, I mean, he'll be our first player of the week just to carry this conversation over. Um, Snell, oh, I copied and pasted a lot of things into the wrong section of our notes. Going to do that right now. Snell, though, six scoreless against the uh, Dodgers in a 6-1 victory Wednesday. Um, It was their first regular season win over L.A. in their last 13 attempts. One hit, eight strikeouts, walked run, walked uh, just one. Leads the NL in ERA, or leads the majors in ERA, and leads the NL in hits per nine and batting average against, and he's second in strikeouts. Um, him and Pedro are the last pitchers with 150-plus strikeouts and fewer than 20 runs allowed in a 20-game span. And he's the first pitcher ever to have a sub-1-5 ERA with 12.5 Ks per nine over a 20-start span into the single season. He earned it. He, ar- he is earning the Cy Young. But he still breaks now. You know how somebody described Snell to me, and I actually think it's perfect? He's the classic argument for stuff over command. Because he's going to lead baseball in walks, but it doesn't matter if you don't allow hits. He is the least of – he's a free agent after this? Yep. Talk about an epic platform here. What what type of contract does he look at? A big one, I think. Well, what was – Robbie Ray – Five for 115 coming off his Cy Young season. Yeah, and I think Snell's got a slightly better track record. Someone will give Snell like five for 140 to not pitch beyond the sixth inning. I think it'll be San Diego. I can't, you can't let that guy go. I concur. Quick trivia question uh, What player leads baseball in home runs since 2018 with 204? Since 2018? Yep. So five years. Um, Schwarber, Judge. And I was so confident, Schwarber and Judge. Olsen. I was going to say, remarkably little respect for the man with 52 home runs this year. It's Matt Olsen. Uh, yeah, there was, there's a reason. Atlanta does everything right, and they let the face of the franchise go for this guy. And nobody down there seemed to bat an eye. So I, that, that does not surprise me. Other players of the week, congratulations to Adam Wainwright for his career achievement. 200 wins. It was his first attempt at 200, though, after winning 199. Took him forever to get 199. 200 he got very quickly, though. Uh, Went seven scoreless, four-hit innings 
against the Brewers last night at Bush Stadium. Uh, it was a one nothing victory, and he becomes the fifth major league pitcher that's currently active to join the 200-win club, joining Justin Verlander, Zach Greinke, Max Scherzer, and Clayton Kershaw. He's the third pitcher in Cardinals history with 200-plus wins, joining Bob Gibson and Jesse Haynes. I'm just You could see the emotion out of the game. I'm happy Wainwright got there. To me, I, I wouldn't pitch again. This is it. I would go out on that high note, especially given the way his season's been. Um, two questions for you. Uh, when you read that active list, and it kind of plays into my next question, eventually we're going to need to recalibrate the amount of wins that makes a Hall of Fame pitcher because no one's ever going to sniff 300 again. I do think 200 is going to become the new 300. I, I mean, with that, does Wainwright down the road get Hall of Fame support, or did he need that Cy Young? So if he got that Cy Young, the, the second Lincecum one probably should have gone to Wainwright, if I remember correctly. Uh, and I just think without the second Cy Young, and I, without any Cy Young, and I know that he gets attributed the 2011 Cardinals World Series, but he was not part of the team. So he was really only part of one World Series team, and he was the closer. Uh, this end is so bad, I don't think he gets in on the conventional ballot, but you see the way the room works uh, on these committees down the road. It wouldn't be impossible that Wayne Wright, beloved by – I would assume one of the most beloved players that we have universally going respected. I could see in a room of his peers with the vote, he can get 75% of that. Support. But I don't see him getting in. I mean, I almost think he's more likely to fall off the traditional bat. No, he's not going to fall. Yeah. I mean, you look at the list of then active pitchers. I, I mean, it's all guys who are at the end of their career, then Garrett with 143. So we might not see yeah, Garrett. Garrett's the guy with the best shot, but he would need to be on a good team. It'd be like Garrett, and then honestly, just because he's young, it would be like Strider because he's young and on a good team. And that's so much projecting. Yeah, we'll revisit this in 2033 for Strider. All right, other players of the week. Mike Clevenger, complete game victory in a 6-1 win against the Nats yesterday. Six hits, seven strikeouts. Uh, he had a shutout before Dom Smith hit his 10th homer of the year with two outs in the ninth. Also tried to fight Dom Smith, so shout out to Clevenger there. Shout out to the Astros who lost a combined no hitter with two outs in the ninth um, this week against the. Is that another Fromber start? Um, it was Hunter Brown. They lost with two outs in the ninth when um, Zach Galoff singled um, with two outs or with one out. Combined no hitters. Were you at the Yankees Astros no hitter last year? No, the playoff one was in Houston. There was one during the 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 one during the regular season. Oh, sorry. They, oh, so they no hit the Phillies in the World Series. No, I was not at the one in the regular season. I just think combined no hitter doesn't have the same. Doesn't, I believe doesn't the combined no hitter was in Game Two of a double header, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think so. I feel like we got like it was a brutal bullpen game in Game One that we lost, and then double header in Game Two. But I could be wrong. Um, point being, combined no hitter, not for me. Shout out to Lucas Giolito. Um, 806 ERA coming into the year over his last 10 starts. Um, and against the Rangers, one of the best lineups in baseball, seven scoreless, season high 12 strikeouts. Anytime we can give some love to a guy that's been rightfully bashed all year, I try to do it. Great start for Lucas. Tough look for the Rangers. Freddie, let's talk about Freddie. I didn't know how good he's been on the base pass this year. He's 20 of 21 on steals, stole his 20th bag yesterday. He's the fourth player ever with 25 homers, 50 doubles, and 20 steals in a season, joining Grady Sizemore, Alfonso Soriano, and Chuck Klein. 
He's the first player to reach 50 doubles and 20 steals since Brian Roberts in 2009, which has only been done 19 times. Um, and he's the first first baseman to do so. And he's the first player with 25 plus home runs, 55 doubles and 20 plus steals in a season, which goes to show how good of a season Ronald Acuna is having that Freddie, I don't even think will get a single first place vote for the MVP. No, I mean, I, the way the season's wrapping up, Acuna's back to being, I I could see him getting a unit from some of them. But I think over under 24 and a half first place votes for Ronald. Over. Because I think the problem is uh, there will be some people who I think in their mind voting, it's if I'm going to give a first place vote to a Dodger, who do I give it to? Which is totally valid. There's no wrong answer. I really, there are four Four MVPs this year. Everyone should get a trophy. Participation trophy. They're back. Multi-homer games this week. Not many. Juan Soto versus the A's. Jake Rogers versus the Angels. Larissa Reyes versus the Braves. And J.D. Martinez versus the Tigers. Not a big player of the week week. Probably our quietest one in quite some time. The two homers out of Arias, uh, that would have been tough for you in the fantasy playoffs. It was. Not it would have been. It, it was definitively. I mean, I lost... Spoiler, I lost Otani, Scherzer, and possibly Machado for the season. So I don't think uh, I'll be going beyond the semifinals. Hey, at least you got there for more than I can say. I guess that's true. All right, enough about my crappy fantasy baseball team. I wish you the best of luck this week despite the injuries. Um, Let's transition into the news cycle. News that was a little bit surprising and unsurprising at the same time, but I do know that a lot of my Fenway faithful friends were pretty excited about it. Uh, The Red Sox announced Thursday that Chaim Bloom, their chief baseball officer, has been fired and that GM Brian uh, like the Irish names, the Irish and the Asian names really get me, uh, Brian O'Halloran has been offered a new senior leadership position within the baseball ops department, uh, further signaling a major change in the organization's structure. Um, O'Halloran and assistant GMs Eddie Romero, Raquel Ferreira, and Michael Groupman will oversee baseball ops for the time being. But the Sox added that a search for a new baseball ops leader will begin immediately. Uh, Bloom was originally hired in October 2019 and has overseen baseball ops for the Red Sox over the last four seasons. They did enjoy a 92-win season in 2021 where they took the Astros to six games in the ALCS. Um, But other than that, it's been pretty disappointing. It's looking like a last place finish uh, in every season outside of that. Um, Last year, they were 78 and 84. This year, they're below 500, last place in the AL East. Um, He was hired over from the division rival Rays, where he'd been paired with since promoted president Eric Neander to oversee the baseball ops department. Uh, He was long billed as a future GM in baseball ops himself. And obviously, once they fired Dave Dombrowski, about as big of a 180 you can go from there uh, in Boston in terms of the spend to win a championship and the analytic mind of bloom. Um, and again, Red Sox fans were pretty excited about this. Like this was the equivalent of Andrew Friedman going to the Dodgers where it's, oh my God, these guys who have done so much with so little in Tampa, what's going to happen when you move them into a big market team with resources, which obviously the Red Sox were. Um, and again, Bloom's track record isn't all terrible. I mean, this year, Kenley Jansen, Justin Turner, Chris Martin, Adam Duvall, you know, they've all been solid this year. Michael Walker was a great buy low guy um, that ended up getting a much better deal in San Diego. But, you know, the ones that kind of stand out were um, Corey Kluber and Garrett Richards haven't really helped in the rotation. The Trevor Story deal hasn't really panned out due to injuries. And at the time might have even seemed like an overpayment. Um, Yoshida, good hitter. 
Um, but I, I think it was very clear at the time, even like even you and I, when he got a hundred million, we were like, who were they bidding against? Um, that he was going to get their money. Um, and even, you know, I think the big misses though, were last year's deadline in general, when they held on to Nate Evaldi, JD Martinez, Michael Walker, Rich Hill, not only did they not sell at the deadline, but they also went and got Tommy Pham um, and Eric Hosmer. So they added. So I would say that's a big one, as long as, as well as letting Nate Evaldi go. I mean, Evaldi Hosmer may have been a subtraction. They, uh, anything that Bloom did during his tenure doesn't matter. He's the guy that traded Mookie Betts. You're not letting me get there. I'm getting to the crescendo. That's the big one. That's one. Two, you could have, and again, this Xander Bogart's contract in San Diego, I think he's going to be a disaster. So you, I think they I think they dodged a bullet because I don't think Xander's going to well over the, age well over the course of an 11-year contract. Yeah, the jersey's great, but I see the jersey you're wearing. It's very cool. The contract's still not going to age well. So I think they dodged a bullet there, but at the same time, it was a face of the franchise guy that you let go. Um, Bill Simmons kind of said it best. It's like you didn't want to sign Bogart's to big money because you thought he was going to age poorly, but then you gave Devers three hundred million, and he's kind of the definition of a guy who's going to age poorly—a power hitting corner infielder. Um, but all of that could be washed away if it wasn't for the Mookie Betts trade. And again, Mookie—I think this was a director, a direction that ownership sort of forced upon Hyam Bloom. Mookie's a generational player. He's only gotten better, I think, since he's been with the Dodgers, where he signed a three hundred sixty-five million dollar contract. All he's done is dominate the MVP votes since then. Um, and at the end of the day, you really just got nothing in return for Mookie. You know, for the sake, for a generational player, maybe the best player of his generation when all is said and done, for him and getting rid of the David Price contract, you got Connor Wan, who's a solid backup catcher, Jeter Downs, who they DFA'd, and Verdugo, who's an above-average outfielder, but has never even sniffed an all-star team. It was a catastrophic return. It's one that I think the fan base will never recover from period in a lot of ways, let alone on their opinion of Bloom. So it's like you said, he's always been straddled with that. But again, I don't think this was, it wasn't his call. This was from ownership. And I think you also have to take into consider two things when looking at the Bloom tenure. One, after Nebraska, the farm system was gutted. Um, Baseball America, as of last month, graded it the fifth best in baseball. They had Marcelo Mayer, Roman Anthony, Kyle Teal, a couple top prospects there. Tristan Casas has graduated this year. Um, into a solid big league regular in the outfield. He looks like he's going to be a contributor for years to come. But the biggest thing is, too, that has working against him, John Henry, it seems like, only really gives a shit about his soccer teams. The Fenway Sports Group, and I mean, it's a real company, so air quotes aren't needed, but they're now focused on all these assets. This is the first time in years that the Red Sox aren't in the top 10 in payroll in baseball. They're all the way down to 13. So you coupled in the fact that they had to trade a generational player and significantly cut payroll at the same time, it's almost like High and Bloom didn't get a fair shake. So my first question is, other than the Mookie Betts trade, what do you think his legacy is? Do you think it's fair they fired him? And then let's talk about what you think the Red Sox should do next. So tackle that however you want. Uh, you you asked an impossible question trying to just dissociate the Mookie Betts trade from his legacy. I actually the it, it, it's all the Mookie Betts thing. Like he brought Cora back, which was the right call. It looks like they have the guy there. I mean, I say nothing but positive things about Cora. So he actually set them up well in the long run. With the, I mean, the farm system's fifth in the league. That's not nothing. That's that's a huge positive for him. That's not. But that mean, like, but that's good. And you and I are baseball junkies. We know that. We acknowledge it. We recognize it. 
Casual baseball fans couldn't give less of a fuck about the farm system. And they just want to see the good team on the field. They, there's a reason. Like, there's a reason Red Sox fans love Dombrowski. Yeah, Dombrowski showed up, got him a title, and then skipped hat. Like that's what he does. That's his move, and they want that. And if you do that, the Red Sox had it every five years. They would kind of do that. Uh, but like now, they're in a problem now. They're losing their two of their three corners. Not having Mookie. Not having Bogarts. And just going all in on the Devers basket, which, like in. All things VU, I would I would commit to Devers long term over Bogarts. Also, that was a good decision. The yeah, problem Devers, is- Devers is here for whatever it's worth. Thirty three home runs. He's going to be a four WAR player. Eight eighty. So he's going to have thirty five homers, hundred ribbies. I think it's just the process of how you get there. Where it's we didn't want to age in these guys because we don't invest in these guys because we don't think they're going to age well. Devers is the prototypical you will not age well guy. If you want to sum it, one decision that's that put him in that put him in negative light with Red Sox fans. It seems like he went for story over Bogarts. He went for an unproven guy with an injury history over there proving. Uh, was Bogarts the captain of the Red Sox, or was he like a de facto captain? I think like de facto. The de facto captain of the team, you let him go. Uh, you let him go, and you replaced him with Trevor Story. You made Story switch positions. and Story, it's it's dangerous giving money to anyone from Colorado, let alone guys with injury history. Forcing him to change position didn't make a ton of sense. Um, but whatever. I mean, I'm not complaining as a Yankee fan. I just think they should have, they should, they should have kept Bogarts in bets. I mean, them not having bets, especially with that city having Mookie bets as the face of sports, would have been a great thing for Boston. I think the biggest thing is there. There's an expectation with these guys who come for the Rays that they win moves on the periphery, and even and Bloom didn't even win those. You know, it's like a great example is you trade Hunter Renfro, who ironically just got DFA'd, but. You trade a 30-homer guy who perennially is in the baseball leader and assists in the corner to take on Jackie Bradley Jr.'s contract. Like, I think those are the moves that Joe Red Jacks fans the craziest. I don't think Bloom got a fair shake. But again, at the end of the day, with a team like the Red Sox, that history and that kind of fan base, you finish last three out of four years. That's ultimately what it comes down to. As for who I think should replace him, we said it for the White Sox job, but I think here it makes it even more sense. Mike Hazen would be 1A. Because he built the D-backs into the winter and was one of Theo's guys. I don't think he leaves Arizona, though, because his wife's battling cancer. I don't think he wants to uproot his family. Call James Click. He has the analytics background you want from the Rays. You know what the difference is? He went to a big market team and made it to two World Series and won one. Someone needs to fucking hire this guy. I don't get it. Yeah, we have that. That was confused us for a while. Me. We were confused when he left. Maybe he's just a dick. No, I mean, look, the him leaving part, I think, is Jim. But again, you look at the two things. Jim Crane is notoriously tough to root for, so it makes sense from that standpoint. And then the White Sox job, that was a sham interview process. There was none. That was the process. I mean, again, it's Boston. If if the Henrys commit to winning, we've seen it. They can essentially flip a switch and be back. So High and Bloom's out in Boston, and the tie it in a bow. Further proof, Jews can't have nice things when it comes to baseball. Let's go to Anaheim. Weird week with Otani. So let's start with Weird the fact week that- in fucking Anaheim, bro. I'm, trust me. So let's start with the fact that Otani is out for the year. Um, he got an MRI on his injured oblique Friday. Results came back in the early innings of the game, revealing some lingering irritation, uh, which led to Otani begin shifting the focus towards his future and addressing the UCL tear in his elbow. His season is completely over, at which point, though, he gathers things 
cleared out his entire locker without saying holy oh, shit breaking news in the bryce personal life i think i'm going to thailand you going for that wedding i think so shit we'll okay. talk off there stay shit. tuned next week should be a doozy so Tani clears out everything nobody knows what's going on they just know Tani isn't there perry Mossman cleans it up and he's just basically saying there was a possibility for a procedure today that's why he packed it's nothing malicious and then he showed up the next day he's been with the team the last couple days um the Angels have obviously been mathematically eliminated. I, I mean, what do you make of this Otani thing? I do think him clearing the locker is basically that. It's he knows he's done for the year. He's not playing. It cleared I, his shit out. I, but yeah, that's. I don't think that has anything to do with his uh, impending. To me, though, it's two things. One, it's further evidence Otani is gone. I think any chance, even with him getting surgery, any chance of him coming back, I think, has gone out the window. To me, the biggest thing is, though, of why you can't come back. It's just further proof. The Angels just have no idea how to run things. Like, it just seems like there's no communication. Nobody's overlooking anything. Nobody knows what the fuck's going on. Speaking of guys who don't know what the fuck's going on, in addition to the Bogarts Padres jersey I've been talked about all episode, I've also been wearing my Los Angeles Angels visor. The Angels are a complete dumpster fire. Um, and it, from afar, I just thought Otani was going to stick around for the culture because he's comfortable there. Having been to an Angels game, seeing what the fan perception is, just being having to get a low a pulse of the local community around Angels, man, he's gone. He should get he should run away from that team. Every headline you hear from the loss, I mean, I get a lot of pat. I'm very passionate. Every headline you read about them is a disaster. They they struck gold twice in the last 15 years, last 12 years, whatever you want to call it, with Trout and Otani. They got arguably two of the top three players of this generation. And every other move they've done could not grade higher than a D. They are failing nonstop. That Anthony Rendon contract, I, I wish that baseball was spoken about more in um, on national sports media because that Rendon contract would be discussion number one every day. There is not a single positive thing that he's done on the field and off the field, he is in Washington. He was just looked like seemed like an awesome dude, good guy. Anthony Rendon, Anthony Rendon in Washington is what Jose Ramirez is today, like yep. the perennial All Star type. Where it's like this guy's great. I wish he was in prime time more, so everyone appreciated how great this guy is. Yeah, and then he went to the big. He got paid, and he Anthony and I don't like attacking people, but. Anthony Rendon seems like he got a paycheck and gave up. He said he, he looks like he just doesn't give a fuck about baseball anymore, and he just likes getting his millions of dollars every year. Hey, and because of that, the team two hundred fifty million dollars, I might do the same thing. He, no, that's not the kind of guy you are, Chase. Thanks. It, it's it's mind boggling how an organization can do everything so backwards, and I would, I now think of time. I mean, you were just at Oracle. Does that were the Giants fans talking about Otani? They were. I don't think he goes there either, though. I, I again, I don't think that's a team. They have good farm, good. He's good, not great farm. That's just a really unexciting team but to me. It's a three horse race. You can't count the Mets out because of Stevie. And if anything, if Otani doesn't want to play next year, Cohen will say, "Great, give us another year to reset." It's not a bad get for him. Yeah, I, I just look, the Mariners payroll this year was $72 million. They still have so many good young prospects. They have Julio, they have Castillo. 
They had Ichiro, which as lazy as it is, I do think matters. The uh, Asian, I mean, I've been to, have you been to Seattle? The Asian American community in Seattle is very strong. That's not, that's not nothing. That's not a negative. And the number one, though, I think he's going across the freeway. I I think the Dodgers were always the prohibitive favorites. But now with Urias never, potentially never playing again, Kershaw looking like yeah, this could be it. As much as I don't want it to be, this could potentially be it. Even post-Tommy John surgery, they have a serious need for Otani now. Um, and it just goes back to what I've said the last two, three years. I just don't think there's any way they, two off seasons in a row, let generational players go. For in Corey Seager and Trey Turner, unless they were just saving all the money to throw it at Otani. This ownership has too consistently been committed to winning and has too consistently done the right thing to have not done it in either case. I, I'm probably giving Otani, the human being, too much credit here. I What's worse? What's worse for him? Is it uh, what's more offensive to the Angels, going to the Dodgers or going to an AL West team? Oh, going to an AL West team, I think. Going to the Dodgers at the end of the day, it's a pain in the ass. But you've kind of seen like uh, driving around California. Oh yeah, no, they're not. They're, you're right. County in LA proper, like they're LA. But like the amount of time, like you and I could get from New Jersey to New York to Pennsylvania. Yeah, no, we're we us OC folks. We're, we're not LA. We're we're rugged. We're yeah. You we're vote rugged. red in the elections. Well, not now. We wear our Red Angels visor. You don't vote red in the election. There's a difference. There's a difference. So, High and Bloom out, Otani out, Max Scherzer also out. Um, tough tough for the fantasy game. Yeah. Tough week to be out and about. Chris Young, the GM of the Rangers, uh, informed the fans that he has a terrace major strain. Surgery's not needed, but he's out the regular season and is unlikely to pitch in the playoffs uh, as well. 15-day injured list. I mean, you mentioned that they went all in. This is just a brutal string of injuries they've had. I mean, DeGrom – Valdi being hurt for half the year. The rotation, again, it's not going to win the pennant, but it'll at least, I still think, hold its own uh, with Valdi, John Gray, Martin Perez, Dane Dunning. Not great, but solid enough, and it allows Haney to shift to the bullpen. Um, Scherzer wasn't quite having a dominant season. 4-1 ERA with the Mets, but in eight starts, um, 3-2 ERA uh, with the Rangers. Looked more or less like the Scherzer of old, or at least certainly more like it. Um $35 million on the books next year. What do you think the future for Scherzer looks like? Because this is, again, now, you know, two of the last three years were towards the second half of the season. The body's broken down on him after previously never happening. Uh, what do you make of that? And my other take is that um, the Mets are looking really good right now getting a top prospect in Luis Angel Acuna for a guy whose arm broke down in the second half. I agree with your Mets points. Uh, on the Scherzer front, he his numbers were what they were, but – when you are someone of Max Scherzer's caliber, uh, it transcends the numbers. Just ro- being able to go to the ballpark every morning as a hitter, knowing you have Max Scherzer on the mound, that does stuff that that's un- you can't quantify the impact that'll have on the lineup. You're confident that you have your dude on the mound. What is this? Honestly, I mean, he's. I think Texas forcing to exercise the option for next year as part of the trade. Like he'll roll out next year. My guess is we'll see the. If I had to prognosticate, we'll see the exact same thing we saw this year. He'll be up and down early. He'll hit a stretch in the middle of the season. When you think, up, oh, Max Scherzer's back. This is the three-time Cy Young winner, lock, first out Hall of Famer. We've known him for the last 15 years. But then come August, September, he just hasn't shown an ability to do it. 
he was a guy that a few years ago, I would say even towards the back end of that Dodgers contract, he felt like a Nolan Ryan type of guy who could pitch into his mid-40s. I think once his contract's over, that's it. I mean, some team, if he wants to pitch, some team will throw money at him, but I think this is it. I think Scherzer, the competitor that he is, that's the which is, he's a legendary competitor. I don't see him having a Granky or a Wainwright type season where he's going to have that five to seven ERA um, and just let all the peripheral numbers just shoot up. Uh, like again, the legacy is what it is at this point. There's nothing he can do to detract from it. Again, we'll set the over-under Hall of Fame percentage at 95, 94. Higher. He's done everything you can possibly do. As I don't think he's done a perfect game. He's done a 21 strike game. No, a fuck that at the perfect game because Jose Tabata stuck his elbow out. Fuck Jose Tabata. Yeah, he but had the perfect game. Look, it's a bummer. It's, oh, yeah, you're right. Well, that was the last out too, right? Yeah, instant replay. You're reviewing that shit and seeing he put his elbow in the strike zone. I mean, he and uh, Armando Galarraga can commiserate on that shit. Oh, let's not equate those two. Let's just move on. Okay. The Rays. The stadium news kind of makes me shake my head. So the good news is the Rays are staying in Tampa. Um, which Who's that good me, news for? It's good news for... You don't have to get new apparel if you're a Rays fan. Um, Again, who is that good news for? Who was it? Do you know a Rays fan? No. You have ties to the Tampa community. That's a stretch, but sure. Do you do you know a Rays fan? No. I know more Dick Vitale. Rays fans. I think Dak, I think Dick Vitale is a Rays fan. So the Rays are going to make an announcement regarding a deal to construct a new stadium in St. Petersburg. Again, not all details have been announced, but um, it'll be built near the Trop as part of the development of the historic gas plant district site. It's going to have a fixed dome roof, seat around 30,000 people, and be open for 2028, just after the club's lease at the Trop expires. It's going to cost $1.2 billion. Um, it sounds like Stuart Sternberg and the team are going to pay for half or more, with other contributions coming from St. Petersburg, Pinellas County, and investors who are to want to contribute in exchange for shares of the club. Um, the club is also considered moving from St. Petersburg to Tampa, has toyed with a more creative plan that involves splitting games with Montreal. The league shot all that down. Um but this whole thing, it has the approval of St. Petersburg Mayor uh, Ken Welsh. Um, the financing, again, still needs to be finalized. There's a lot of moving parts here. Um, but all we know is that after 30 years, they'll be moving out of the trap, which they moved into in 1998. Actually moved into in 19, oh, was opened in 1990, uh, but they didn't start playing there until 98. I just don't get this. Here are my thoughts. I get you want to fill the stadium. 30,000 fans is not a lot, though. So it's going to be one of the smallest stadiums in baseball. Uh, the biggest the biggest thing with all of this, though, is the traffic in St. Pete made it impossible to get to the stadium. And you're building it right there. So it's great that you're getting a new stadium because the trap kind of is what it is. But you're not solving any of the main issues. I'm happy that the city of Tampa isn't losing a baseball team because I never want to see that. Um, not that they've done a ton to necessarily deserve that the to show that they want the team there. But at the same time, it's like I read something like this where you're not solving any of the main issues at hand. And it's like, yeah, maybe they should have just moved to Nashville and you just say screw expansion and have a team in Vegas and Nashville. Uh, what do you make of this whole thing? I'm glad the Rays are getting a new stadium. I just uh, – the minimized capacity as well as the location just kind of make me shake my head at this whole thing. 
I don't. I I I guess I maybe you're maybe I'm not in a nice mood today. Maybe that hot dog eating contest gave me more of an edge that I've been looking for. Tampa Bay should, does not deserve a baseball. Team. They should that team should go. They should have moved. The only reason this would make any sort of sense from a league perspective is you what you were saying. You can't have Oakland relocate and Tampa relocate and then bring on uh, two new franchises. Uh, because I mean, we, we've gone through the exercise on the podcast, just when you and I were hanging out stone in the living room, we, we would just talk about what cities make sense. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We've never, we've never done that. Oh, you mean when we were listening to the Rolling Stones in the living room, isn't that what stone means? Yeah. You know, you can't always get what you want in Oakland and Tampa Bay. <laughs> yeah. There aren't that many, there aren't that many great options for a new baseball team. If you're not going to go back to Montreal. So, that they still, I don't know. I, I think Tampa is a joke. Bad fan base. I like they, they're such a well run. Are they they're a well run team for the resources they have, but the way that the front office is the way that their front office is developed, you'd want to see those people with a bunch of money because that would be a potential joke. That would be what Atlanta is. That would be what the Dodgers are. That would be what we've seen the Giants winning three and five years. You want to see the good. You want to see good, hardworking people rewarded. So, yeah, I just don't get it. But whatever. Guess the Rays are staying. We'll see how this. And again, who knows? This seems like something that could just fall apart because Stuart Sternberg, the owner, has made these crazy, lavish claims with stadiums the last few years. So we'll see what happens. Um, we actually talked about last week or two weeks ago the Nationals that Mike Rizzo hadn't had his extension announced. He got that multi-year extension. The 62-year-old has been part of the Nats since 06. Been at the helm of the Nats baseball ops department since 09. They will continue to do so for the next couple of years. Him and Davey Martinez will be tied there. Um, the manager run the team. Uh, again, the Nationals aren't going to be good this year, but I've watched the Nationals. I, I saw them play at Yankee Stadium and even just watching those games. This is a team that looks like where they're supposed to be in the process. Like I look at a team like that and a team like the Tigers who are rebuilding. The Nats, you could see the steps forward in some of the young guys. Like, Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, Kerber Ruiz. We know they have James Wood, Robert Hassel, all those guys. Josiah Gray made the all-star team this year. Lane Thomas, you know, broke out this year. They're doing it right, and I'm glad they're keeping Rizzo because I think he's a good GM. I mean, look, we've seen what's happened when Rizzo's allowed to have time. I mean, basically Bryce Harper's tenure as a national, for the most part, they were competitive and in the playoffs every year. I'm not saying another Harper or Juan Soto is going to walk in the door, but this guy's proven he's going to build a winner if given a chance. And I'm glad he's getting the opportunity to do so. I agree. I there's certain in a front off. Are you talking about Rizzo specifically, Rizzo or uh, Martinez? I'm talking about Rizzo. Martinez again with the manager. I think Martinez is doing the best that he could do. But uh, Martinez, has, Rizzo goes before Martinez because he built those winners with Dusty and Davey. The thing, I I think that managers. I think there's a shelf life on coaches, and very very rare exceptions can actually have a voice that matters and lasts longer than five years. Uh, in the front office, if you show a willingness to adapt to the times, there's no reason you shouldn't have a lifetime of um, I don't too, Just don't over-adapt too much at Brian Cashman. Yeah, Cashman doesn't... Cashman lost touch with how to construct a roster. Uh, Rizzo, we've seen him do it. We've seen him do it both ways. We've seen him make the big free agent spendings, and we've seen him build out a farm system. He's done it both ways and has shown the ability to keep doing it. Again, he's he's comfortable there. That ownership, they're fine. I, 
don't know. It's good to, again, you don't want to see people who do a good job get punished. And Rizzo, by and large, has done a very good job down there. Um, and look, we went through a few weeks ago the exercise of superstar return. Listen to that podcast again. Because uh, we'll do that five years from now. And I would say that the Soto, the Washington return for Soto is probably plus 110 on Bovada to be the best superstar return we see from any package from 2018 to... Certainly in the short term also. Yeah. And we have, there, there's still people that haven't touched the stars in the base from. They've made two good superstar trades, honestly. The Padres, you got the Padres Soto trade, you got your starting shortstop and a solid left-handed pitcher in Abrams and Gore. And in the Scherzer and Turner trade, you traded those guys whose contracts were coming up. You got Josiah Gray, who, again, was a Nationals all-star, but it wasn't that crazy. And Kerber Ruiz, who they already signed to an eight-year deal. That, I, again, that's – it's the changing. And the I guess I, I don't like that we sometimes just haul, fall back on the Yankees, but it's what we know. Rizzo can make – Rizzo operates like a GM the way you would want to see a GM. Read the room, analyze each situation differently. Cashman is just kind of a machine that doesn't understand how things work. Like Cashman, like I don't know. I just I wish I would love I would love to have someone like Rizzo run the Yankees. Cashman either holds on to prospects too long, he holds on to every prospect too long, and they don't work out. And we just stop signing. It's it's bad. It's a bad time. We're not having a good time. A guy we should have French fry chase. That's what I said. A guy who did give us a good time always officially announced his retirement this week. Hasn't pitched in five years. But big sexy Bartolo Colon retired with the New York Mets this week. Uh, he was honored before Sunday's finale against the Reds at City Field. He holds the record for the most victories by a Dominican pitcher with 247. Had far greater success with Cleveland and the Angels, but retired as a Met because the fans made him feel at home. Uh, Noah Syndergaard gave him the nickname Big Sexy uh, for his agility and mobility. And he was good with the Mets from 2014 to 16, went 44 and 34, helped guide the Mets to the World Series, and had probably the two defining moments of his career. And it was a good career. This guy who won a Cy Young, was a couple-time All-Star, but had his behind-the-back toss to nab Justin Bohr at first base and then hit his home run off of James Shields, becoming the oldest player to hit his first major league home run. All told in his career, after entering the bigs with the Guardians in 97, 412 ERA over 552 starts, over 3,500 innings, uh, won a Cy Young in 2005 with the Angels. Should have been Johan, but that's okay. Four-time All-Star, 21-year career, 11 uh, teams. Finished sixth in the Cy Young voting as recently as 2013. Um, they made 11 starts in the Mexican League in 2021. One of the most fun pitchers of our lifetime. Um, and, yeah, he got busted for PEDs, which takes the luster off his career. But Bartolo really is the guy, when I think of a guy who adapted from a flamethrower into a control guy. I put him at the top of the list. Great career. Congrats to Big Sexy. We love you in New York. He, he's not even a sneaky PED guy. Did he not? Did he get busted twice? I'm not sure about twice. He feels like the kind of guy. He was the everyman out there. You see Bartolo Colon throw in the majors, you think you could do it. He struck me as someone that once he got the first PED would just keep taking roids, and if he gets caught again, he gets caught again. If not, he just keep cashing checks. He was just out there hanging. Beloved teammate. The homer was epic. Um, you know, it's just like he didn't look like a pro athlete, but he was. 
it's that, that and those guys are fun to root for. Fun, easy to root for. Injuries. Uh, the update from last week, Jason Dominguez, he is getting Tommy John surgery. We don't know if it's going to be full-on surgery. It might just be the brace procedure, but regardless, Martian out nine to ten months. Sandy Alcantara, IL, um, with what the time was the right flexor strain. He is a sprain UCL. We're going to watch him every day and go from there, but our fingers are crossed for Sandy that he can make a return this year. Manny Machado, you mentioned it before. It's looking like he's getting an elbow surgery at the end of the year. Um, he might wait until the Padres are mathematically eliminated, but regardless, uh, he should be back on the field for spring training. Dylan Carlson, ankle surgery. He'll be ready for spring training. You Darvish shut down uh, for the season. It was at first his injury was diagnosed as inflammation in his elbow, uh, but he should be able to rehab without surgery. Michael Fulmer, 15-day IL, forearm strain. Tristan Cass's 10-day injury list with a right shoulder inflammation. Tanner B, 15-day IL, did a hip inflammation. Bader, 10-day uh, IL with a right groin strain. And the weirdest one is a reporter asked Anthony Rendon basically where he's been. Because um, he's been on the IL uh, with, since July 4th with a shin oh, condition. This is what I, I forgot, but this is why the Anthony Rendon. And he basically said the reporters, yeah, I have a fractured tibia. The Angels have it confirmed it. We don't know if it's true. It's going to be a he said, she said type of thing. But what a dick. Well, what a dick. What if he has a broken leg? What? Is he a dick if he has a – he's – the whole – it's such a mess. It's – and I don't, they can't even cut him, right? They, they have, they're stuck with this guy. They're not going to pay him off. They have all that Otani. They're my, ideally for them, they have all that Otani money. Yeah, they're in trouble. They're in trouble when it comes to the money. Um, let's do tweets of the week. Uh, from Sesame's Family Barbecue, this is just a funny tweet. We got a quadruple check for any Wander Franco jersey before we release the new ballpark renderings. Come on now. Raise that's easy stuff. What? There was a fan in a Franco jersey in the ballpark rendering. That, fuck you, Tampa. Get you don't deserve it. That's so stupid. Our weekly Kyle Schwarber check-in. 45 singles, 45 home runs from Codify. Um, As of what? I think he homered last night. That's up to date. Okay. With his next RBI, I'll have 100 on the year to go alongside 45 homers, 100 runs, and 100 walks. Um, Mike Schmidt and Jim Tomei and Ryan Howard, the only players to do that in franchise history. Proof batting average is important, but not everything. Because if you tell me every year I'll have a guy who has 45 homers, 100 runs, 100 walks, I'm giving him 30 million a year, and I'm not thinking twice about it. I don't even think the Phillies do that. I think the Phillies, I think they give him like step might be less than 20 a year, honestly. I think it might be like a five for one ten deal. Oh yeah, yeah. Castellanos got like the no. I think Schwarber got like four for eighty two, and Castellanos got five for one ten. Either way, again, see, I mean, boy, this is just another nail in the Red Sox face coffin. Like that's what Dombrowski does. I mean, in the Red Sox defense, they did literally trade for Schwarber the off season before. Yeah, but why isn't he still there? But that's a guy they could use short. They could use any team could use 45 homers and 100 RBIs. Maybe not the Braves. Yep. Um, all right. Other tweets of the week. Luis Robert, this is from Chris Camper, the 20th season in White Sox history of at least 36 home runs and the first since 2016. That just seems like a really low number. White Sox, you they're, they're a sneaky, way terrible franchise. No, they're, they're sneaky historically i think they've been to the playoffs maybe just once or twice since that 05 world series and they've gone 80 it was 85 year drought before they won in 05 so 
Needless to say, not a particularly good. No. God, that's so crazy. Now that I'm just doing some random white stuff. Chicago had two baseball teams that went for almost 200 years combined without winning a World Series. Yeah, they just don't seem that bad. Uh, from Evan Grant, the Rangers are three for 16 in save chances since August 13th. Now you fuck up your season, guys. This was from September 17th. It was the first day since the extra innings Ghost Runner was introduced that they've had two 13 plus inning games in one day. Ghost Runner's working. Yeah. Cool. From Codify, the combined run differential of the Yankees and Red Sox. I won't go through all the years, but this year, you know what it is? Even? Zero. Even. From ESPN, Jazz Chisholm's the second player since 1900 to Grand Slam and three steel bases in a game, joining Mike Cameron in 02. It's a fun game. That, I mean, if that, that was on a fantasy baseball, that, you can't ask for more. Otani's 10-war season in 135 games is the fewest ever, excluding full-time pitchers. Um, and only two players have missed the last 10-plus games of a season that won the MVP or side. Trout and Jim Palmer, Otani likely going to be the third. Yeah, especially if the Rangers keep stumbling. It's tough to – Seager, I think, is the other guy, but you can Bro, tell me who later. James Smythe against the Pirates. Carlos Rodon uh, – Johnny Brito, Ian Hamilton, Clay Holmes, and Rodone teamed up for a perfect hidden for a hidden perfect game. Twenty seven straight retired batters over two games against the Pirates. Irrelevant, just fun. Um, from Sarah Langs with Giants, Rockies, A's, Astros Wednesday, and the Yanks Brewers Yanks Sunday. There were three no hit bids broken up in the ninth inning or later in six days. Um, that's the shortest span in the expansion era for three no hit bids to be broken up in the ninth or later. From ESPN, Juan Soto with his 30th homer of the season had his second career 30 homer 100 walk season. Sixth player to do that before turning 25 multiple times, joining Ted Williams, Mel Ott, Mickey Mantle, Eddie Matthews, and Jimmy Fox. Trey Turner of the Phillies, first player in MLB history with 11 homers and 11 multi-hit games over 13-game span from Opt the Stats. Also from Opt the Stats, Joshua and Richie Palchios for the Cardinals and Pirates had three homers, a steal, and an assist, which no other pair of brothers have combined to do ever. Um, from Codify... Corey Seager is the last player since Ravi Devers in 2019 with 71 or more extra base hits in an 103-game span of a regular season. Cardinals have their first losing season since 2007. I mean, well, they've had Wainwright every year since, and Wainwright's at least been serviceable. Yeah, he's going out yeah. a little there. Um, Chris, uh, to go off of the Royce Lewis from last week, hit another grand slam. Uh, the only player with five Grand Slams for the 150th career game is Rudy York. He has more Grand Slams than the Guardians, A's, White Sox, and Marlins combined this year. You said this to me, I believe, from Jay Cutta. White Sox went 0-9 in Thursday home games this season. Um, they have gone over a year without winning a home game on a Thursday. This is from Mark Zuckerman. Jackson Rutledge became the 17th consecutive national starting pitcher to not earn a win in his MLB debut. The last guy to do it was Steven Strasburg. Um, quick trivia question. Who is the one team Mariano Rivera, other than the Yankees, didn't have a save against? This is from Codify. Wow. I would have to assume – I mean, uh, he's – I would have to guess an NL team. I mean, I'd probably guess the Rockies. Pittsburgh Pirates. And last but not least, show you how the game's changed. This year, Kyle Schwarber, Eugenio Suarez, and Teoscar Hernandez have all struck out 196 times. Or more. Tony Gwynn in the 90s struck out 188 times total. Yeah, Tony Gwynn, Mr. Padre. The, the first Mr. Padre. People walking around, they're calling me Mr. Padre Jr. 
the real Mr. Padre. Any concluding thoughts for this week's podcast? Yeah, I missed an opportunity earlier today. Uh, Sarah, Sabrina, I should have said, mess with the bull, you get the horns, you should know that you Pharaohs. Mine will be go Buckeyes against the Irish, go Bruins against the Utes. Going to three Yankee games this week, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, to close out the year. Hopefully Garrett wraps up the Cy Young Thursday. So go Yanks. Looking forward to that. And a happy Yom Kippur for everybody celebrating all of our Jewish friends. Have a great and plentiful fast. Um, and remember to eat a lot the night before so you don't pass out. With Bryce Holden, my name is Jason Medorsky. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great week.